do you do what I do when I put up the lights on the tree and one bulb goes out, they all go out? This is NBR. Hey, everybody. Um, nice to be here with you. I. I want, I don't know if I'm going to be the first person to wish you a Merry Christmas in 2022, but if I am, I'm truly honored. Merry Christmas to you and all those that are special to you. Because it is Christmas, I want to take a little trip throughout Christmas years, starting back at least a couple hundred years ago. I think sometimes we need to sit back and look at where we have been before we can appreciate where we are today. Where do you find yourself this when you look back through the year and then come visit the celebration of the birth of Jesus, do you find happiness and joy in your heart, knowing that as a believer, we are celebrating not only the birth of Jesus, but the means by which one day we will cast off this old sinful world and body and join with our Lord and Savior, this very same Jesus that was born of a virgin and born in a manger? I think it's easy for us to start looking at things being piled up on us and start to feel a little more than frustrated. We start to compare where others are in life to where we are. And sometimes I think we might not really be seeing the complete picture. I want to open up the big screen and look at just a few things that have happened. And then maybe we can see things in a different light. The sunlight. Jesus is Son of God.
salud, salud y amor, amor y felicidad. Luna, wish you a Merry Christmas, full of happiness, health and love. Feliz Navidad. We're going to start back around Civil War. Uh, one of the things, because we are military broadcast radio, I like to look at things from a different perspective. I like to look at it from active duty and from veterans' perspectives. We can't go all the way back and talk to somebody in the Civil War, what they were going through at Christmas time. We can only imagine, really, some of the problems and some of the things, some of the issues emotionally, uh, somebody being away. A lot of times, maybe it is different because of the circumstances and where it was. But I believe it probably was very traumatic for people. We're going to look at a letter home from the Civil War on Christmas, December 24th, 1863. Somewhere south of the North Pole, someone writes, My dearest Hannah, this latest March has been our longest yet. We left Northern Virginia in September. Marches of 20 or 30 miles, worse than Gettysburg. I'm sure you have heard that we have been betrayed by the Northern Spears, how our brave Lincoln calmly heard the news of the loss of our fleet without shedding a tear, but those who were there said his stance seemed firmer and his gaze more iron when he said, the better angels of our nature must yield to the necessities of our countrymen. These losses shall not be borne. We shall avenge their memory and in doing so, spread the blessings of freedom to a whole new people. All men are born free, no matter their stature. You shall carry the thoughts of a grateful nation and the hopes of all free men. This was read to us as we assembled 75,000 strong at Philadelphia. Our force is made up of those hardy enough to endure such privation of a campaign in a high north to end the threat in our very rear. Regiments from Maine to Minnesota fill our ranks, woodsmen all. We entrained from Philadelphia, disembarking in Quebec, where we were joined by three regiments of volunteers to punish the renegade evildoers. Two regiments of the Queen's own infantry also accompanying us, although I fear their red coats may give us away. I tell you, my dear, that in the march north, I did fear indeed for our tiny army, the treachery of Kringle drove us ever onwards, and yet as the dreary wilderness fell way under our feet, we felt as though our ties with all bits of home were lost, and the loss of innocence engendered by the knowledge that this false prophet is not more than a seckish traitor. I declare the thought of that wicked elf supplying the arms of war to the rebels fills me still with rage. But it is now two weeks since that we were first made aware that we were not alone. As we marched, we could hear the soft and occasional jingle of a bell or the slough of a sleigh faint in the darkness. Our cavalry brought the fresh news of a dreaded foe in our front, marching in countless number. We deployed by brigade, shaking our colors loose in the cool winds. We waited, hands freezing in the snow, when suddenly through the flaky snow we saw their serried ranks of brown and white and green and red. They charged, and we have them a volley and a tiger for good measure. 
and their first ranks crumbled into dough and pastry. But there were too many, and they crashed into the second Vermont of our flank, where their sharpened peppermint sticks flashed and blood flowed. But the noble Vermonters gave not an inch and answered with a bayonet. And then the gallant 17th Maine drove home with steel, and the gingerbread foes were trampled underfoot. We gathered their remains up for our haversacks. Such is the brutality of war. We buried our sad dead and marched on. Three days later, our cavalry came galloping back, their horses fleeing a pursuing foe. We sprang into action and our colonel of sharp mind called us to form square. After some fumbling, the ranks were formed, the solid steel, the Republic shouting defiance at the enemy's horse that came into view. But what a horse, brown beast of rangy gait and with antlers sharpened to a fearsome point, they came at us disdainfully of our volleys. The 14th New York was cut nearly to ribbons. Their screams were pitiful as the fearsome terrors of the enemy came on, led by a dread deer with the shining light affixed to his head. But the second Wisconsin light battery gave them double canister and they gave way. Up rose the 16th Michigan and the first Minnesota, their colors catching the cold northern sun and their volleys felled the deer with the dread light, sending him to the earth in gouts of blood. Then the sabers of the second Massachusetts cavalry rose in charge and the bugle sounded and the thunder of hooves surrounded us. The slaughter was great and we avenged our losses. And around our campfires that night, we fed on venison, our first in many weeks. I tell you, Hannah, we were but glad to get it, even at such cost. We marched on, feet freezing as the weather turned even colder. And dear, the sad sights we came across as we marched. The trees bedecked with bottles and lights, all now ablaze. Scores of elves, destitute, shackled, left to die by the man who would dare to say what was right and what was wrong. Well, Father Abraham was there for them, and they marveled to be free. I tell you, Hannah, these are sights that shake a man to his core and make him think of what it might, what it, if, what it is to be a Christian. In this time of year, too, when our thoughts turn to home. Tonight we are encamped on what will be the final field of battle. The snow is lit by a myriad of campfires, every flicker a light of the Republic. Across the barrens of snow, deep behind logs of peppermint and gumdrops sit our foe. All assembled can hear his mad laughter, and it chills us more than the north wind. Yet he dared to flaunt treason's rag over his marzipan walls. We did not want this war, but we shall be the ones to end it. My dear, if I fall upon this field, think not that I fell in vain. Truly our children shall live and love in one country made whole, where all can be free and all can celebrate Christmas as their conscience dictates. My love for you would carry me beyond yon striped pole and through to the shimmering northern lights that grace us this very night. Fear not, our General Sherman will not let us down nor will Pap Thomas permit the Rebs one chocolate-coated step further. I lovingly remain your obedient and humble servant, Lieutenant Joe Leonard, Company C, 2nd New Hampshire Volunteer Regiment.
cielo, luna, os desea un feliz Navidad, lleno de salud, de amor y felicidad. Luna, wish you a Merry Christmas, full of happiness, health and love. Feliz Navidad. Well, we go from the Civil War. Let's go to World War One. One time there's a letter, the story of a Christmas Day truce of 1914. Probably some of you have heard it. There's been speculation a lot whether it was actually true, how it went about, how it came about. Was it embellished, whatever it was? As far as I know, this is probably about the most accurate. And uh, But I find it interesting. Soldiers tell story of one-day truce between the British and German soldiers during World War I. For decades, there were stories of the Christmas Day Truce of 1914, a day where troops stopped fighting in World War I and shared a Christmas moment together, albeit for a brief moment. And then just a few years ago, a letter was discovered, and it was sent by a British soldier that told the amazing story of the truce. Captain Jack Armis of the 1st Battalion North Staffordshire Regiment. He wrote to his wife about that special day. I want to share part of that letter with you. I have just been through one of the most extraordinary scenes imaginable. Tonight is Christmas Eve, and I came up into the trenches this evening from my tour of duty in them. Firing was going on all the time, and the enemy's machine guns were at it hard firing at us. Then at about seven o'clock, the firing stopped. I was in my dugout reading a paper and the mail was being dished out. It was reported that the Germans had lighted their trenches up all along our front. We had been calling to one another for some time, Christmas wishes and other things. And I went out and they shouted, no shooting. And then someone, somehow the scene became a peaceful one. All our men got out of their trenches and sat on the parapet. 
the Germans did the same, and they talked to one another in English and broken English. I got on top of the trench and talked German and asked them to sing a German Volkslied, which they did. Then our men sang quite well, and each side clapped and cheered the other. I asked a German who sang a solo to sing one of Schumann's songs. So he sang the two grenadiers splendidly. Our men were a good audience and really enjoyed the singing. Then Pope and I walked across and held a conversation with the German officer in command. One of his men introduced us properly. He asked my name and then presented me to his officer. I gave the latter permission to bury some German dead who were lying in between us, and we agreed to have no shooting until 12 midnight tomorrow. We talked together, 10 or more Germans gathered round. I was almost in their lines within a yard or so. We saluted each other. He thanked me for permission to bury his dead, and we fixed up how many men were to do it. And that otherwise, both sides must remain in their trenches. Then we wished one another good night and a good night's rest, and a happy Christmas and parted with the salute. I got back to the trench. The Germans sang Diwat and Rhine and sounded well. Then our men sang quite well, Christians awake. It sounded so well, and with a good night, we all got back into our trenches. It was a curious scene, a lovely moonlit night, the German trenches with small lights on them, and the men on both sides gathered in groups on the parapets. At times we heard the guns in the distance and an occasional rifle shot. I can hear them now, but about us is absolute quiet. I allowed one or two of the men to go out and meet a German or two halfway. They exchanged cigars, a smoke, and talked. The officer I spoke to hopes we shall do the same on New Year's Day. I said, yes, if I'm here. I felt I must sit down and write the story of this Christmas Eve before I went to lie down. Of course, no precautions are relaxed, but I think they mean to play the game. All the same, I think I shall be awake all night so as to be on the safe side. It is weird to think that tomorrow night we shall be at it hard again. If one gets through this show, it will be a Christmas time to live in one's memory. The German who sang had a really fine voice. I am just off for a walk around the trenches to see all is well. Good night. Christmas Day. We had an absolutely quiet night in front of us, though just to our right and left, there was sniping going on. In my trenches and in those of the enemy opposite to us were only nice big fires blazing and occasional songs of conversation. This morning at Reveille, the Germans sent out parties to bury their dead. Our men went out to help. And then we all on both sides met in the middle and in groups began to talk and exchange gifts of tobacco, etc. All this morning, we have been fraternizing, singing songs. I have been within a yard, in fact, of their trenches, have spoken to and exchanged greetings with the colonel, staff officers, and several company officers. All were very nice, and we fixed up that the men should not go near their opponent's trenches, but remain about midway between the lines. The whole thing is truly extraordinary. The men were all so natural and friendly. Several photos were taken, a group of German officers, a German officer and myself, and a group of British and German soldiers. 
The Germans are Saxons, a good-looking lot, only wishing for peace in a manly way, and they seem in no way at their last gasp. I was astonished at the ease in which our men and theirs got on with each other. We have just knocked off for dinner, and I have arranged to meet again afterwards until dusk when we go in and have dinner until 9 p.m., when war begins again. I wonder who will start the shooting. They say, fire in the air, and we will, and such things, but of course it will start, and tomorrow we shall be at it, hard killing one another. It's an extraordinary state of affairs which allows of a peace day. I have never seen, seen men so pleased to have a day off as both sides. Their opera singer is going to give us a song or two tonight, and perhaps I may give them one. Try and imagine two lines of trenches in peace, only 50 yards apart. The men of either side have never seen each other except perhaps a head down again and have never been outside in front of their trenches. Then suddenly, one day, men stream out and nest in friendly talk in the middle. One fellow, a married man, wanted so much as a photo of Betty and Nancy in bed, which I had, and I gave him it as I had too. Seems he showed it all around as several Germans told me afterwards about it. He also gave me a photo of himself and his family taken the other day, which he had just got. Well, must finish now so as to get this off today. Have just finished dinner, pork chop, plum pudding, mince pies, ginger, and a bottle of wine and a cigar, and have drunk to all at home, especially to you, my darling one. Must go outside now and supervise the meeting of the men and the Germans. I will try and write more in a day or two. Keep this letter carefully and send copies to all. I think they will be interested. It did feel funny walking over alone toward the enemy's trenches to meet someone halfway and then to arrange a Christmas peace. It will be a thing to remember all one's life. Please kiss the babies and give them my love. Write me a long letter and tell me all the news. I hope the photos come out all right. Probably you will see them in some paper. Yours, Jake.
You know, I just can't even imagine some point in time I picture being in those trenches and looking over and knowing that at some point in time, there's a good chance you're going to die. Each one of those men at that point in time, who I look at right now, were kids. And 
being in a position where um, everything had to be doom and gloom. Everything had to be just terrible where they were at. And we get in places like that, I think, in our life where there's so many things that are out of place. Everything is such a mess. And then we have people that are on the front lines. There's people that we have that fight in our military that have gone through this and they've been a part of it. Is everything so sad and so depressed all the time that we can't find a sense of humanity somewhere in the middle of the madness? I found it interesting that at that point in time, human beings are human beings on one side or the other. And there comes a point in time where um, it's amazing to me, peace can find a way at some point in time. And I know that's what we all pray for. I know that's what we want. But it makes me appreciate who I am right now, what I have, the ability to celebrate my life, to celebrate my family's life. And it's all because someone's made a sacrifice so that I can. Number one, Jesus Christ, the one that was born on Christmas night, made such a sacrifice so that I could spend eternity with him. I also have people in the military that have sacrificed so much. I can't even begin to express my gratitude and the things that I feel for those that take on that duty, the ones that work on Christmas Eve, the ones that work through Christmas so that I can spend time with my family. Sometimes I wish there was a way I could do something special for each one of them besides just telling them, and I can't even tell each one of them face-to-face how grateful I am for everything they do. Know you are appreciated. When we stop and we take a look at it and we think about where we are today, where our country is, yeah, we got problems, and we have a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things that need fixed. But we also have a lot to be thankful for. One thing we're going to do right now, we're going to kick this up a little bit. And I want you guys to just enjoy this. Stay. 
you know, there's there's Stevie Ray Vaughan, there's Eric Clapton. I could listen to that all the time. Anyway, what we're going to do now, I told you before we ended up going, I want you to think about what Christmas was like in the 1920s, 100 years ago, okay? 100 years ago. This was written, the electrical toy is a sign and symbol of what it means for a child to live in this wonderful age. He climbs on a stool to speak through the telephone to someone he knows is blocks and blocks away from his own home. He puts his busy finger on a little button and floods a room with light or rings an unseen bell. He watches the maid put a plug in the electric socket and moves an iron, apparently free from fire over the laundry or toast bread in a similar way on the table and performs other feats simple enough to him. He runs to get into a carriage which moves of itself. And when he sees by chance a streetcar drawn by horses, he nearly collapses with surprise. It came from the Wichita Beacon, Beacon page 34, December 19th, 1920. So not to be topped, you know, what about Christmas for American women a hundred years ago? Think what a Christmas gift the Hoosier will make. A present that will take all the drudgery out of the kitchen work. A gift that a busy woman will appreciate all year round. The Hoosier kitchen cabinet is in reality the product of the modern spirit of American women. They refuse to be slaves in their kitchens. They demand the kind of freedom that Hoosier gives. The Hoosier saves miles of steps gives more hours for rest and recreation, and eliminates all drudgery. We are showing a full line of Hoosiers, various sizes and models. When you pay your $1 enrollment fee, you get a fine 10-piece cutlery set, a 14-piece glassware set, a genuine Hoosier kitchen table, or a new Hoosier stepladder stool. Absolutely free! The balance may be paid a little at a time. Included with every Hoosier beauty is a splendid 14-piece set of crystal glassware, spice jars, coffee jar, tea jar, salt boat, and airtight containers for bulk foods such as beans, hominy, crackers, etc. A wonderful extra feature. Each member of the club gets a 10-piece cutlery set free with the Hoosier beauty Genuine Hoosier kitchen table free. It has a beautiful white porcelain top and a spacious, easy sliding drawer. And it's finished all over in white enamel. The Hoosier kitchen cabinet has dozens of exclusive features, all the finest and newest labor-saving devices. Come in and examine it. Hoosier kitchen cabinet at 1924. Merry Christmas. You too could have had a Hoosier kitchen cabinet. Then, after we talk about the kids, after we talk about the little lady in the kitchen, how about safety first 100 years ago? Fire chiefs recommend that everyone light their trees with electrical lights instead of candles to lower the risk of accidental fires. Ah. Oh. You know, it, sometimes we sit there and think things have changed so much. They've gone through so many different things, haven't they? 
we've made some tremendous changes and there's been bad things and terrible things that have happened. But through the years, it's amazing the changes in such a short period of time. I feel very blessed to be born when I was born. I figure I've seen probably as much or anybody of what's good in America, what's good in life. There hasn't been any time where I haven't been free, free to do what I want. I mean, there's been problems. There's been things that have scared us. Uh, but I was I was around when man went to the moon. I've I've been involved in so many different things as a kid. Everything was always new and exciting for me as a kid. It I, I enjoyed everything. But I thought at that point in time, that's the way it is for everybody. How in the world do you in, in days seem forever, summers seem forever, winters seem forever. I couldn't get out of winter. But I don't know about you, but do you ever stop and think how short days become anymore? How short the months are, the seasons, the time, the amount of time that we can spend with each other. And then we look at the condition of the world and what's happening right now. And it's a scary place. We have to admit it's scary. We see a lot of things. And I'm not going to go into a lot of the politics or anything that's going on. But right now, we as a nation, we're split, we're divided, we have tremendous fears and tremendous things that uh, um, you wonder from day to day how things are going to turn out. Think about many campaigns, wars, and police actions that have taken place. And sadly, most of them don't stop during Christmas. It's a tough time of year for active duty in our military and for veterans and their families. There have been organizations we are thankful for that have been there for our veterans. A hundred years ago, remembering the veterans at Christmas time, wounded veterans from the First World War were remembered at Christmas. The American Legion took them gifts at hospitals in the early 1920s and later on to veterans' homes. Besides serious injuries like loss of a limb or blindness, many suffered from shell shock, which is now known as PTSD. In 1920, there were 20,000 veterans in shell in 1924 in one country in New York State. Each received a Christmas stocking with a crossword puzzle book, cigarettes, and other items. Crossword puzzles were a big craze in the 1920s. Will Rogers, the famous humorist, said, we may lose the next war, but we'll sure win the next puzzle contest. At this time, smoking was quite common before it was known to cause cancer, and many were hospitalized from illnesses and wounds across the country. Today, we are truly blessed to have countless organizations dedicated to help our veterans. We thank the Lord for each one of you and pray the Lord will provide you the funds needed to bless them. As for our active duty that are unable to be home this Christmas, we honor you, salute you, and appreciate you. We think of you. Only thing, we have not forgotten you. You're not forgotten. It is because of you and your family's sacrifice that we all are safe and warm with our families enjoying this Christmas. We all are truly blessed that the true meaning of Christmas was the birth of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, he came as a baby, 
but he's no longer a baby. I don't remember. I, I know he was a baby, but I don't think of him as that. I think of him as my Lord and Savior. He came to redeem us from our sins, to give us eternal life with him when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Dear Lord, happy birthday. This is a joyful day in that it offers us a true and lasting hope. Without you, this world is really dark and it's a mess. It's depressing. Oh, so much hate, betrayal, lies, loneliness, depression. It's dark. But you became light to a lost world, and we love you and thank you for the sacrifice you made to save us. Thank you for loving us so much that you would do this for us. On this Christmas, Lord, we lift up those serving our country, our first responders and law enforcement, those that have sacrificed their time and comfort so that we can enjoy this day. Please hold them in your hand and comfort them. Let them see how grateful we are as a nation, truly for all they do. Happy birthday, Lord. We love you and praise you. Set us free. 
Final thing I want to share with you. Thought this was interesting, and it's Christmas, so I got to do it. A visit from St. Nicholas. This was written by Clement Clark Moore, and I've heard different renditions of it. I've heard some of it, not all of it, um, abridged versions, you know, unabridged. Anyway, I want to read you what it was in full, and let me know. I think we all enjoy it. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midway to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricanes fly when they met with an obstacle mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a light round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, 
Happy Christmas to all and to all. Knowing he would soon be called the king of kings all On Christmas Day, they saw Have a good day, and let's never forget what Christmas is. It's a lot of fun. Think about all the other things, and also keep things in perspective. Sometimes we get way too worked up. God's in control. He's got it. He had it way beyond 200 years ago, all the way back. All the way back, way before, but even whenever that little baby, he was born, he had everything figured out. Have a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. And from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight? tonight and let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart from now on from now on Champagne with kings and queens, the politicians praise my name. But those are someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers at the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. From now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. And from now on, what's waiting till tomorrow starts tonight. It starts tonight. And let this promise in me start. Like
do you do what I do when I put up the lights on the tree and one bulb goes out, they all go out? <laughs> <laughs>